Hello and welcome to Stories from India, a podcast where we talk about myths, legends and folk tales from India. I am your host Narad Muni and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. By profession, I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller. So the way I'm doing my job is by podcast. In this episode, we are continuing with the Ramayana. It's one of the two major epics in Indian mythology, the other one being the Mahabharata, which we have also covered in other episodes on this show. Today, we'll continue with Ram and Lakshman forming an alliance with Sugriva and Hanuman. But first, let me summarize the story so far. Ram was an avatar of Vishnu. Born to King Dasharatha and Queen Kaushalya, he was meant to become king of Ayodhya. But things didn't go his way because Kaikai, Dasharatha's other queen, cashed in on a couple of reckless and unconditional promises that the king had made to her. Ram was exiled for 14 years while Kaikeyi's son Bharat would rule Ayodhya but Ram did not go alone into exile his wife Sita and his brother Lakshman accompanied him against his initial protests Bharat was only a reluctant participant in this plan and when Dasharatha passed away Bharat ruled the kingdom not as the king but as a delegate of ram meanwhile in the forest ram lakshman and sita encountered one danger after another that included the demoness shurpanakha followed by her brothers khar and dushan the ayodhya trio came out on top easily in those conflicts ravan was Shurpanakha Khar and Dushan's brother. He was also the ruler of Lanka and the mega-villain of this epic. He decided to step in. He took revenge by carrying off Sita while Ram and Lakshman were distracted. The brothers looked all around, but all they found was their vulture neighbor, Jatayu, who died soon after of injuries sustained when he tried to stop Ravan. They encountered a demon who was really a good guy trapped in a demon's body and later an elderly lady Shabri Both of them directed Ram and Lakshman to Sugriva a vanar who could help them find Sita Sugriva had painted himself into a corner with his brother Vali who was arguably the most powerful creature in the universe But Sugriva did have a bunch of loyal followers who could help their cause the most promising of whom was hanuman that's where we'll continue the story today hanuman had taken ram and lakshman to sugriva's home so ram and lakshman sat across from the ex king of the vanars in a cave sipping tea it was not very comfortable not least because in the badly lit and damp cave they couldn't even see anyone properly the seats 
were just rocks. It would have helped if the tea were piping hot, but it wasn't even lukewarm. They explained their backstory to Sugriv, and explained that they had come here expecting help. What they wanted is to cover as much ground as quickly as possible. They had to find Sita. Right now, it was just the two of them. They could have gone on for years without finding a trace of her or of this Ravan guy. They wanted manpower, or rather, vanar power. At the end of their appeal, Sugriv laughed mirthlessly. Help? You've come to ask me for help? I'd love to, but look at me and tell me what I can possibly do. I can't even step off of this mountain. Look at this place. This is what I have to call home. My wife is herself held captive. We have no provisions in this cave. If it rains, we manage to quench our thirst. We haven't had hot food for a long while. If there are any mushrooms here in the corners of the cave, we try to grab them. If the rats haven't already gotten to them yet. So you see, gentlemen, it's not that I don't want to help you. I just can't see a path to doing so. Of course, if I had been king of the Vanars, I would have the resources of a whole kingdom and all of those would be at your disposal. Are you suggesting we go ask Wali? Asked Lakshman. Truth be told, he was still leaning in that direction. He had come to the same conclusion that Sugriv had. Sugriv could not help them. No, I'm not, said Sugriv. To be honest, that might have been a good idea a while ago. But that ship has already sailed, Sugriv explained. Wali's spies will have told him already that you're meeting me. I bet Wali will think that you are assassins I've hired to eliminate him. Well, why don't you? asked Ram. I mean, hire us to eliminate Wali. Lakshman looked open-mouthed at his brother. A lifetime spent growing up together, and his brother surprised him like this. Then he remembered the pain of Sita's loss he had seen in Ram's eyes, in particular when they had heard about Wali abducting Sugriv's wife, Ruma. How could you? asked Sugriv, when no one else can. I couldn't do it. Even Hanuman couldn't do it. My father Surya himself couldn't. It's the Brahma curse as always. You mean a superpower, not a curse, right? asked Lakshman to clarify. It may be a superpower for Wali, but it's a curse for the rest of us, Sugriv explained. He gets half of my strength every time I face him. He's impossible to beat. He even defeated Ravan and then made friends with him. Undoubtedly, they got the wife abducting idea from each other. They are two sick and disgusting people. In saying that, 
Sugriv emphasized the wife abducting part a little. That seemed to encourage Ram to think along favorable lines. Favorable from Sugriv's perspective. There must be a loophole. There has to be one. Brahma's curses always have one, Ram said. Now that you mention it, said Sugriv, there is something. But never mind. It's too inappropriate for me to even suggest it. Come on, you have to at least tell us, urged Ram. Well, it's like this, Sugriv began. I did once come across a copy of the superpower terms and conditions from Brahma. It's not my fault. Vali himself asked me to fetch his wallet from the desk in his office. I opened the desk drawer and saw the wallet. And right under it were the legal papers from Brahma about the superpower. You can't blame me for being curious. I read through it. And there was a bit of a loophole. Well, what was it? Asked Lakshman impatiently. I saw something on page 17, Annexure 13, Clause 4.1. Wali had declined one optional coverage. It was called a Watch Your Back Clause. His superpowers only apply to opponents who face him. I can see why he may have declined it, said Lakshman. It's unthinkable for any warrior to attack someone when they are facing away from them. That was a completely useless clause. No one will want to shoot anyone in the back. I know I wouldn't. I would, replied Ram. And that caused Lakshman to drop his jaw a second time in quick succession. You keep doing that, bro, and I'm going to need to see a doctor about my jaw, Lakshman told Ram. I don't see what's wrong with doing that, Ram explained. The monster has kept Sugriv's wife captive. That is not okay. If there's no way to counter such a danger directly, there's really no other way to rescue her. We could distract Wali and sneak her out of the palace, Lakshman suggested. How's that any better than shooting Wali in the back? asked Ram. Hanuman, who had been silent so far, suggested. You know how Wali can't step on this hill at all? If he does, he'll instantly drop dead. Well, if Wali can't come to the hill... Maybe the hill can go to Wali. Everyone looked puzzled, but Hanuman continued. If Wali steps on any part of the hill, any rock, any grain of sand, he'll die instantly. That means every part of the hill has some anti-Wali properties. We can take a small handful of the sand and throw it at him. That should hurt him. Honestly, that was a really good idea. And given the objects being thrown at him were inorganic, Wali's superpower could not have helped him. But Sugriv, Ram and Lakshman voted down the idea. To them, 
this appeared no less sneaky than shooting someone in the back. So, the plan was laid out. Sugriv would challenge Vali to a duel, one-on-one. A messenger was dispatched. Through me? Yes, as you know very well by now. I'm a mythological character myself, and I'm friends with everyone. And that makes me the perfect messenger. Now, because I also know the future, I knew what was going to happen, and I can't say that I was looking forward to it. I delivered my message, but I didn't hang around Wally's palace for too long. I'll tell you what happened, though. Angad, Wali's son, was the one I'd given Sugriv's message to. And he had just relayed it to his father. So, Sugriv's tired of his miserable life and wants to give up? Wali asked. No, Daddy. He said he just wants to fight you. Angad replied. Same difference. He knows he can't defeat me. I'll bet you anything he's doing this just for sympathy, to get public sentiment on his side. He'll try, but he'll get badly beaten up. Then he'll try again, a few times, until I eventually forgive him. Will you forgive him, Daddy? asked Angad. Of course I must. I'm his brother, after all. But he has to learn his lesson first. And what if the public actually sympathizes with him? There was a stir during the last council meeting about how we are treating Sugriv's wife. Then all I have to do is to show them the evidence. We've got some paintings of her, enjoying the last grand feast. But Daddy, she wasn't even at the last grand feast. You had locked her up in her room, Angad reminded. I know, but people don't need to know that. They'll believe what they see in the paintings. A painting is worth a thousand words, I always say. Have you considered that this might be a trap? The timing seems suspicious, especially with the arrival of those two other strangers who met Hanuman, Angad asked. Not a chance. And even if it's not one-on-one, I'll still absorb half of their powers. What if Sugriv punches low? Angad asked. It's an automatic negative point for him. The judges will be watching closely. He won't win by punching low. Daddy, I didn't mean that literally. I mean, what if one of the strangers attacks you in the back while Sugriv is fighting you? Vali laughed and tousled his young boy's hair. I can see you still have much to learn in the ways of the world. Tell the chef to make a hearty dinner. After this little exercise, I might get hungry. He bounded off for the field where Sugriv was waiting for him. Sugriv seemed confident and actually smiled. Brother, I formally challenge you to a duel. To the death.
Wali replied, Not to the death. Let's just say until you accept defeat. I don't want to disappoint my little boy by killing his uncle today. Sugriv felt weaker, as everyone did in Wali's presence. He lashed out a punch at Wali. But Wali didn't even try to block it. When the punch landed, it hurt Sugriv's fist more than it did Wali. Wali casually blew off a speck of dust off of his sleeves and calmly said, So, I am ready to begin whenever you are. Go ahead, I'll let you throw the first punch. And then, in mock surprise, he added, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. Was that your first punch? Well then, allow me to retort in kind. He did not retort in kind. His punch was orders of magnitude more powerful. It flattened Sugriv to the ground. Wali also trampled Sugriv and jumped on him a few times. The scene would have reminded you of Asterix or Obelix against a Roman soldier. The next half an hour consisted of Sugriv dancing around, trying to keep Wali between himself and the tree so that Wali's back would be towards where Ram was hiding. Sugriv kept wondering when Ram would fire. And when he was sure that no arrow was coming, he held up his hand in defeat. Wali was magnanimous in his victory. He picked up Sugriv and, aiming carefully, threw his limp body squarely into his cave on Rishyamukha Hill. Hole in one, screamed Wali in excitement. That evening was a pleasant one in Wali's home. But in Sugriv's cave, things were obviously different. Go ahead, laugh at me. You put me up to this, didn't you? I hope you got a good video to upload to social media, Sugriv said, glaring at Ram. But no one was laughing. Ram was apologetic. I'm sorry it came to this, Sugriv. I tried, but I just couldn't take the chance of accidentally hurting you. And what was your excuse for that? Sugriv asked, still furious. The angle of the sun? Perhaps you'd like me to ask my daddy to move to a more convenient spot in the sky to suit your majesty? No. In the fight, I couldn't tell the two of you apart. Ram replied, calmly. Oh wait, let me think. Maybe you should have aimed for the one who was doing the trampling and not the one who was lying down in a heap. I'm sorry, Sugriv, but I wish I knew how alike you and your brother are in appearance. Now, if only you had something bright and colourful that could easily tell you apart, it will help with my aim as well. Oh, that's just perfect, Sugriv said. Next time I'm enjoying the luxurious comfort of being beaten to a pulp, I'll remember to wear a brightly coloured tropical beach shirt.
Lakshman was about to interject that this was actually a great idea when he realized that Sugriv was being sarcastic. But eventually, everyone convinced Sugriv to try again the next day. Hanuman even made a brightly colored garland for Sugriv to wear. Sugriv was not happy, but he was going to go ahead. His one comforting thought was that yesterday, Wali had not beaten him up as badly as he had in the past. Maybe his big brother was softening up. This fight seemed destined for a similar outcome as yesterday. Wali did tell Sugriv that it was a nice garland. He'd love to keep it for himself, if it didn't get dirty in the fight. You wish, answered Sugriv. In fact, Wali said, I'll just grab the garland right now so that it won't get dirty along with you. He advanced on Sugriv, making a grab for the garland. Ram was meanwhile on a branch of the tree. At this distance and height, it would take three full seconds for the specially chosen arrow to hit its target. Trigonometry was a special strength of Ram's at school. No wonder he was an excellent marksman. He was breathing slowly as he took careful aim at Wali. He had seen where Wali had arrived from, and now Wali's back was turned to him. Why didn't he already shoot Wali? Because the rules of engagement demanded that Wali represent a clear and present danger. So far, he only seemed to be admiring Sugriv's garland. But then, he was making a grab for the garland. Oh, in fact, he snatched it, and in their tussle, the garland flew into the air. It was now or never, thought Ram. He confidently let fly the arrow he had prepared for this occasion. If you know your Ramayan, the outcome will hardly surprise you. But if you don't, I'll leave it on a little cliffhanger there. We'll come back to the Ramayan in a future episode. Check out the links in the show notes for previous Ramayan episodes. That's all for this week. In the next episode, we'll do a Bengali folktale featuring guardian angels, misunderstandings, a vicious snake who was maybe just a really playful snake, and the king's children who happen to be really great storytellers. If you have comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you would like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. I'll see you next time.